We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. so much for tuning in to Weird Distractions Podcast. This is a weekly show where I, your host Alex, rotate discussing true crime cases, paranormal hotspots, eerie folklore tales, urban legends, and conspiracy theories to provide you, and more than likely, what your local croc-wearing baseball lover may consider a weird distraction from everyday life. This week's episode is a mysterious death case, but before we get into the case, I'll fill you in on what I need a distraction from and do a little smidge of housekeeping. Let's get housekeeping out of the way. Patreon is still on pause for this month, and speaking of being on pause, just a heads up, I do plan on taking a break for one regular episode release so far in September. I may need to take more of a break due to intensive work training and some events in my personal life that are happening in September. As always, I will keep everybody updated and let you know, and hopefully I can release something while I'm away. In terms of my need for distraction, I'm going to have to say it is almost a month away from my work training and it sounds very intense. I am going out of town for it, which is fun. But yeah, I'm nervous. My new job is great. I'm very interested in it. But regardless, my need for distraction, it's work. I love my job, but I'm nervous for the upcoming training again. Sounds scary, sounds intense, but we'll see. I'll definitely have to download a lot of podcasts and maybe go on some mental health walks outside of training while I'm there. Speaking of going away, let's dive into this week's distraction, which started with a seemingly innocent trip that unfortunately turned into a tragedy. For this week's episode, I decided I wanted to focus on an unsolved death case, which some people believe it's actually an unsolved murder case. As I always say, the more attention these cases get, perhaps one day someone will tune in, remember something, and hopefully will say something. Having said that, today's case focuses on Jason Artis, a young man from Virginia who just wanted to show his brother and friend a good time in Mexico. Little did any of them know that this good time would lead to a tragic ending. Due to potential coarse language, distressing topics along with disturbing adult themes that could be discussed today, listener discretion is advised. When you go out for drinks with your friends, does it ever cross your mind that it may be your last? Probably not, because that would totally kill the mood. And that thought probably didn't cross the mind of young Jason Artis in August of 1998, but I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here. Let me introduce you to Jason. He was born Jason Lloyd Artis on November 26 of 1977 in Norfolk, Virginia within the United States. I can't share much information when it comes to Jason's early life as I couldn't find much online. So we'll be starting with what has been publicly shared, which takes us to that probable warm August of 1998. 
Jason and his younger brother Stephen, along with a friend named Michael, all plan to head to Tijuana, Mexico for a night out on the town. Tijuana is, or maybe it was, I don't know if it's changed in the last couple years, but if that's the case, it was once considered a party spot for young Americans who wanted to party in a different country where the drinking laws are a little bit looser in comparison to the United States. One CNN article I came across stated, quote, because of its promise of a good time on the cheap and liberal drinking laws, Tijuana has long been a favorite destination of college students, end quote. From what I read online, I get the sense there's a strip of different bars, which kind of reminds me of how there's Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Like there's a designated area where you just party, you let loose. There's a lot of pee on the street. That's kind of what I picture here. Geographically speaking, Tijuana sits right snug to the U.S.-Mexico border just under the state of California. Tijuana's nightlife was a convenient location for then 21-year-old Jason as he was attending a Los Angeles engineering program. This August trip to Tijuana wasn't Jason's first either. According to reports, the weekend prior, Jason was actually partying in this Mexican city, where he apparently sat in a Tijuana jail for allegedly getting too inebriated and a little too rowdy. It happens. I'm sure some of us got a little too wild during a night out while traveling or even at a nearby town. Now, focusing back on that August 1st, 1998 evening, at around 9 p.m., the trio wandered to several bars, taking advantage of a number of all-you-can-drink deals. Most of the drinks were apparently under $5. However, the tequila shots were for $6 a shot. Perhaps due to being in a inebriated state, Jason reportedly began arguing with the tequila vendor over the cost of the shots. Michael recalled the incident later on, stating, quote, Jason didn't want to give up the money, so I just said, Jason, give him the money. Just give him the money and let's get out of here. End quote. Stephen and Michael were quick to try to diminish the situation, in which case Stephen reportedly moved to get Jason out of the bar and into the car while Michael stayed behind at the bar. Stephen and Jason reportedly went back to the strip at some point where Jason supposedly bumped into a female Tijuana officer. This officer was allegedly far from being impressed, and accounts claim they made Jason get on his knees. Which, listen, I'm not a cop, but that seems a little bit extra if you're asking me. A CNN article I came across noted that allegedly this female cop had made her male counterpart detain Jason in handcuffs due to this situation. Furthermore, from that CNN article, it also mentioned how how the male officer demanded Jason's gold watch along with $30. Stephen apparently paid the officer $40 and eventually the police let Jason free and allowed for him and Stephen to carry on their way. Probably a bit panicked, Stephen claims he tried to get his brother to move on as quickly as possible from the situation. He recalls the situation with the following quote from the Unsolved Mysteries website. Quote, I told him, being Jason, walk behind me. Come on, let's hurry up and try to find this car. He was like three or four yards behind me at first. That's when I walked up some more to another block. I looked to the right and I looked behind me and my brother wasn't there. My first reaction was probably that he's sitting down on a curb somewhere or sitting up against a building, anything like that, end quote. Around this time, Michael claims to have seen Jason in the backseat of a cop car. I looked and I said, what is he doing in the back of a police car? They were the last people I saw Jason with. I saw Jason with my own eyes in the back of a police car like I know my hand, Michael later claimed. That sight of seeing his friend in a police cruiser would be the last time he would see him alive ever again. 
Two days later, the American consulate informed Jason's family that he had died. According to reports, Jason's badly beaten body was discovered alongside a road in Tijuana's Zona Norte section, about three blocks from where he had been last seen. Zona Norte is apparently a red light district within Tijuana. From my understanding, kind of what I gathered online, and I should preface, I'm obviously not a local, so I'm not sure, and I've never also visited here. But from what I gathered, this section is where there's a lot of reported drug trafficking, there's sex work. It's kind of an offset of the party scene in Tijuana. If you are listening and you know more about this section, please let me know. Let me know if I need to correct myself here. But basically, that's what I understood from the information I came across. Now, Tijuana police explained that Jason must have died during an attempt to get back to the border and ended up in the Zona Norte section given its closeness to the border. Furthermore, the police stated they figured Jason got lost on his way and was killed in a hit-and-run accident within this neighborhood. As tragic as it sounds, at face value, it was a logical explanation. However, Jason's body reportedly didn't show signs of being a typical hit-and-run victim. And this is where the police's explanation of Jason's death begins to have a couple of red flags to others looking into the case. Let's get into his autopsy, which Jason's family obtained through the American consulate. The translated to English report indicated no injuries to Jason's lower body, but it stated that he reportedly suffered from these unexplained five-inch marks all over his upper body, specifically his chest and his face. This autopsy, which was completed in Tijuana, didn't seem to add up to his family. And I say this because, first of all, there was no mention of any spinal cord or back injury or anything to that nature which one could possibly experience if they were hit by a car. I'm not stating this to say that every hit-and-run car victim is going to be the same or have the same bodily damages, but the common findings that would back up someone being a hit-and-run victim just weren't there on Jason. Another autopsy would be completed through the Unsolved Mystery show, where it appears that this autopsy did not agree with the previous autopsy findings. One of the pathologists, Dr. Jacob Turner, was quoted stating the following from their findings with this newer autopsy. Quote, I would be very skeptical of the autopsy findings and the assertion that this was simply a hit-and-run accident. One has to apply a high degree of skepticism to the entire autopsy in my view. In order for a blunt blow to go through the sternum and rupture the heart, it would have to virtually crush the chest, and it's quite evident from the autopsy that the chest is not badly mashed. There are no bruises on it, and there are no big hematomas the autopsy report becomes incredible, end quote. Furthermore, the newer autopsy noted that the severe head trauma that Jason reportedly suffered is more in line with a beating as opposed to a hit-and-run scenario. Because of the odd findings of the first autopsy, which again were done by Tijuana officials, on top of the findings of the second autopsy, and knowing how the evening went down, Jason's family and friends have reportedly remained skeptical about Jason's death. Which you may be wondering, okay, then what happened to Jason? What do his loved ones think if it wasn't a hit and run? Jason's family and friends believe that Jason ran into the Tijuana police again that August evening, in which the interaction turned deadly. 
Jason was reportedly quite intoxicated that evening he was out with Stephen and Michael, and he had already rubbed the police the wrong way during previous interactions that night. Not to speculate too wildly, but I also wonder if, given he was there the weekend prior and in custody during this visit, if police had also remembered him. Like, if they bumped into him and they're like, oh, this is the guy that sat in jail last weekend, and increasingly got more and more frustrated because he was reportedly intoxicated. I obviously can't prove that, but that was just a thought I came across when doing this research. Jason's aunt, Tina Martin-Smith, gave a rundown of what she believed happened in the following quotes from the Unsolved Mysteries website. Quote, Jason was drinking, and he was loud and obnoxious and maybe out of control. That night, I believe that Jason was murdered by the Tijuana police. I believe that he was beaten, and after he was beaten, perhaps in an attempt to destroy the evidence, they perhaps ran over and or drug him. And I believe that when he was ran over, that he was already dead, end quote. Speaking of Unsolved Mysteries, Jason's death was broadcasted on the iconic show during their April 16th, 1999 episode. Accounts claim that after the episode aired, the Tijuana Police Department's Assistant Eternal Affairs Chief, Marco Quintero, compiled a binder of over 200 photographs of Tijuana municipal police officers and delivered it to the American Consulate. These photos were shown to Stephen and Michael to see if maybe they could recognize some of the officers from that August 1st evening. Stephen tentatively identified one person as the female officer that Jason bumped into the night of his death. Nothing really seemed to come out of this part of the investigation. It was as if Stephen made the identification and officials just said, okay, that's cool, and moved on with it. I can imagine that this probably devastated the family completely. Jason's mother reportedly stated the following, quote, I really believe it in my heart that the police killed my son. There's no doubt in my mind, end quote. Jason's official cause of death remains the same as it was back in 1998, being multiple traumas. However, what caused these supposed traumas still remains unsolved to this day, 23 years after the investigation seemingly ceased in 2000. As I'm researching and recording this in 2023, I haven't been able to find any recent statements from the Tijuana Police Department regarding the case. No updates, no further denial. It's as if they said, okay, on to the next one. We've claimed our bit and that's what we're going to go with. But talking about Jason's death and keeping his name alive could very well spark a memory in someone. Maybe someone who is now willing to talk. Again, it's been 23 years. Jason's family, including his mother, have put so much time and energy into finding out what really happened to Jason that fateful August evening. If anyone has any information regarding the death of Jason Artis, I encourage you to submit an anonymous tip to the unsolved.com website. It's never too late to share information. When it comes to a mysterious death, it's easy for suspicions and theories to start breeding like wildfire. Many try to avoid sparking these flames because they can burn down the real-life facts, making the story muddled with make-belief notions. However, in the case of Jason, it's hard not to want to strike a match given how the events of that August 1st, 1998 evening played out. Was Jason murdered by local police? Or was it simply a hit and run? 
Is Jason's killer or killer still out there today? Let me know your thoughts on today's episode over on the podcast social media accounts or feel free to shoot me an email. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming Weird Distractions or any podcast on a podcast platform that allows you to leave a rating or review, please consider leaving a rating or review because that is the best way and the cheapest way, because it's free, to support your favorite podcasts. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an episode is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find Weird Distractions over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and on TikTok. Do you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month? Why not join one of two tiers over on the Weird Distractions Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content, such as bonus episodes and bonus series, such as the Even Weirder series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early and ad-free access to regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to www.patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Susan, Jennifer, Shadow, Courtney, and Cheryl. I love you and appreciate your support so much. Without you, Weird Distractions may not be what it is today. Lastly, I want to hear from you. I would love to collect your stories of paranormal encounters, too close to home true crime cases, maybe even some weird MLM experiences, or maybe just in general weird things that you've encountered so that I can continue to release the Listener Distractions series. And you might be tuning in for the first time and you might not know what I'm talking about. This is a series that Christy and I originally started where we would read your personal experiences on air. If you have a story you want to share, please email me at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections needed to be made after today's episode, please let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye.